This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 9. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Hello, welcome back. This is episode 9 of the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And you know, just before I hit record today, I was over the over the river in Greenwich Market, which is um, here in London. It's a fantastic place where you've got all these uh, food vendors from around the world selling selling all kinds of different food from Spain, Argentina, Afghanistan, Japan, and it it was incredible not just how much food there was there, but also how many different languages were being spoken. And it was just a kind of reminder to me that, especially if we live in a big city, you know, all the all the people and all the languages that we need are often right here around us if we can just track them down. So without further ado, let's get to today's question, which is about different languages, and it comes from Nikki. Hello, Ollie. I'm, I know a little rudimentary Turkish, about A1 level. I'm now learning Kurmanji, Kurdish. When I go to Turkey, I'm going to need to use both. They're both Turkic languages. Do you have any advice about how to keep them separate and not get the two confused? Hi, Nikki. Thank you very much for leaving your question. So for the benefit of people at home, let's just talk about Turkish and Kumanji and what they are. So they're in, they are languages from a similar geographical region. Kumanji is otherwise known as uh, Northern Kurdish. So if you think of the Kurdish, the area of Kurdistan, which is, so we're talking about places like Armenia, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran. It's one of the, the three Kurdish dialects that is spoken in this Northern area. Turkish is also spoken in that area, obviously in Turkey, but Turkey, but Turkish comes from a different language family, and it actually comes from the a language family called the Ural Altaic family. Now, believe it or not, Turkish is actually one of the oldest languages that we know about, and if and this region where the the Ural Altaic family comes from is actually more like Mongolia and Korea and Japan around what we currently know as the Far East, so you can trace trace the the roots of Turkish back to there. So although within Turkey you're going to hear Turkish and Kumanji, they actually come from different language families. And so what Nikki's talking about is an, an issue of confusing two languages which are fundamentally different, even though they're spoken in similar areas. And I think often when people ask about you know, how can I avoid confusing two languages, we've got these two different set, sets of situations. We've got the case when there are two languages from the same family. And then we've got the, this case, which is when you've got two separate languages. And the advice, I think, is slightly different. So today we're going to focus on on how to avoid confusing two languages, which are fundamentally separate. Now, let me give you a little analogy to see if this helps to understand uh, the task that's facing you. Let's imagine that you're you're inviting some friends around for dinner and you want to impress them with a couple of a couple of fancy desserts. So you're going to make a souffle and you're going to make a, uh, a a baked Alaska. This is a you might not know what this is, but this is a, a pretty cool dessert that I came across recently which like a souffle also also involves baking. So they're kind of similar but they are kind of fundamentally different desserts as well. Now if you were making both of these desserts for the first time, 
what's going to happen? You're most likely going to run into some problems because you've got two different things going on. You've literally got two different things in the oven, uh, potentially even at the same time. You've got to obviously mix up the ingredients. You've got to time everything. You've got to you've got to bake them in the at the right temperature at the right time. You've got to take them out of the oven at the right time, and you've also got to serve them whilst they're hot so that they're ready for people to eat at the right time. So if you've got these two these two these two desserts that you have to do, and you're making them for the first time, what's going to happen? I think we all know what's going to be the outcome of this of this dinner party. You're going to do the best you can but they're not going to be particularly successful. Now, let's imagine that the souffle, you've made it lots of times before. You're really familiar with it. Um, you know the processes. You know how long it takes. You instinctively, you could probably do it even without the recipe. And just by following your gut, you're going to be able to to get it do, it, do it, do it pretty well. So with the souffle taken care of, what happens to the baked Alaska? Well, suddenly... You don't have to worry so much about the souffle and you can turn all your attention to the baked Alaska so that rather than kind of dividing your attention equally between the two, you can now concentrate on one and you're much more likely to have a better result even though this baked Alaska, you're making it for the first time. Now, <laughs> if, you've, if you've been able to bear with me that long, um, hopefully you can see the analogy. And the analogy is that it's exactly the same with languages. So with your Turkish and with your Comanche, you're facing essentially the same problem, which is that if, as you're at either beginner or fairly low level with both of these languages, a certain amount of confusion is inevitable and there isn't, there simply isn't a way around it. So, you know, Nikki, if you're going to Turkey and you've really got your heart set on using these two languages together, then even if you're worried about confusion, then what I'd say to you is, well, you know, just go for it. Go ahead and see what happens. Our brains are mysterious things and, and it's very it's impossible for anyone to say what you will or, or, or will not uh, find and to what extent you'll get confused. So you should absolutely give it a go. But in terms of actually, you know, kind of strategy and, and a good way forward, um, all of the established, experienced language learners that I know who have learned multiple languages will say the same thing, which is that the best way to cope with two languages and the best way to, to cope with, especially with the confusion between two languages, is to focus on one and learn one of those languages well. Just like with our dessert analogy, once you've got, once one of these languages is, is, is solid in your head and you're confident with it, that then allows you to focus on the other and just pay more attention to it such that it doesn't confuse you so much. But it's when both of these languages are in the early beginner stages that you, you've just got nothing solid to latch onto. And so I think it's inevitable that you're going to get confused. Now, it's all very well for me to say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if you've still got this inner voice that kind of says to you, well, you know, I want to learn both. I want to speak both. You know, why should I, why should I just restrict myself to one? And, you know, this is something that we all struggle with all the time. It's, you know, for the same reason that in, in a, in, in any day, I would love to cook three meals, go to the gym, read a book, um, and all these things. And often, you know, my problem is that by trying to do all of these things, I end up doing nothing. And so certainly in my life and in my language learning, I'm trying to keep that inner voice at bay and just focus focus down on one thing that I know is going to be most effective for me. So I would say, you know, long term, and ideally you want to get both of these languages to a very high level. That's what we want, right? 
And so in order for that to happen, then the smart thing to do in the long term is to focus on one of those languages, get that to a good level where you're confident with it, and from there, move to the other, and you'll find it a much easier and less stressful um, process. And remember, after all, even if you do choose to focus on, say, Turkish, well, the, the command is not going anywhere, and it's still going to be there when you get back. So, Nikki, I hope that's helpful. Um, as as ever, there isn't a, one particularly easy solution to that, but I hope that gives you an idea of how you could approach the problem. Now, the the region, the, the part of the world where that we're talking about here is, is very interesting, and it can also be a little bit confusing geographically, geographically, because there is an awful lot going on. So what I've done is I've actually got a map of the north of Kurdistan, and I'm going to put it in the show notes, which are going to be at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode nine. So if you'd like to have a look at the, the region that we're talking about, then head over to the show notes and have a look, because it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. Now, if you've got a question that you'd like to ask me, then please do go over to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash ask. And there's a little widget there where you can leave me your language learning question that I'll answer on the podcast. As you know, if you've been listening to the episode so far, and I've been accused of rambling a little bit, so I'm going to try and keep this concise. I'm giving away three free copies of my Language Learning Foundations video course in order to celebrate the launch of the podcast. So if you'd like to win a copy, all you have to do is leave me a star rating and review on iTunes, and then I will pick three people at random for across the world who will each win a copy of the course. But also, you know, even if you're not interested in the course, if you'd like to show your support and to help me out, then I'd love it if you did leave me a review on iTunes. It really does help a lot for me to actually to get the podcast featured in the rankings. Now, at the end of every episode, I like to give you a resource of some kind on the topic of the question of the day. So uh, today I'm going to send you to a fantastic blog post from Benny Lewis of Fluent in Three Months, who's written a great article. I think it's a few years old now, but it's just as relevant today as it ever was. And it's all about how to avoid mixing up different languages. Benny speaks a bunch of languages, more than me, and he has a lot of experience in having to keep them separate, obviously. So if you'd like to check out this post from from Benny, if you're having trouble yourself avoiding mixing up languages, then then have a, have a look at that. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you. I will teach you a language.com episode nine. Uh, sorry, forward slash episode. Don't forget the forward slash. I will teach you a language.com forward slash episode nine for the link to Benny's post and for everything else. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you in episode 10 of the podcast. Cheers.